KSI Season Zero. This is Episode Eight. My name is Russ Shaw. Answering uh, some listener email once again, and I'm putting together sort of a case study. Use those words of uh, of different emails I've got over the years on this question. How do you know you're a sex addict? Things are changing, you know, in, in, in us as years go by and the same things that brought joy in the past. It's not that they're bad or horrible or sinful, right? That youthful lust that you have, that wonder lust that's so sinful and wrong, Russ. No, it's not. It's not, but it is changing. And like other organisms on this planet, we are getting older and things don't stay the same, including relationships and our understanding of things like sexuality. Yes, back on the microphone. My name is Russ Shaw. This is the ASI podcast. ASI247.org is the website for this here podcast. If you haven't been to ASI247.org in a while, there's been some changes to the website. There will be more as season five kicks off. Today is going to be the season zero season finale. Yes, that has been the the longest, shortest season of the podcast, Season Zero. It's one of those things, when I started it, I didn't know where it was going to land. And it's landed in a good place. So, that's good news, right? Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, stop. All right. Yes, like that Tesla song I kicked off, Am I a Sex Addict, with (laughs) changes. All right? And that has everything to do with the direction and course of this podcast and the website. Here's something new for you on the old ASI247.org. You can preview a book I'm writing about my own life called Red Harmonicas and Violins, the rhythmically impulsive, intimate melody of a sinner saint's affection and love That's a mouthful for a title, isn't it? I'm working on that. (laughs) The title isn't uh, etched in stone, let's just say that, but it's a working title. Uh, You can also support the podcast there on the website by clicking on the pink mustache, opening a Lyft account, uh, and there's an incentive for $50 credit towards free rides. 
there on the website as well. So you can get, yeah, sign up for Lyft, get 50 bucks with a free rides, click on the peak mustache. It's uh, here in the States only, in the United States, Lyft works. Uh, also on the website, more poignantly, there is a link to a Facebook page that I started called uh, Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. And you can get in on the conversation about those things there on the website, uh, ASI247.org. There's also a survey page where you can fill out a survey. I'm working on a new survey. It's only going to be three questions, but it's about a creative way to get the secrets out from within, right? Kind of like post-secret. I don't know if you've heard of post-secret, but that may be something you want to Google later. This uh, survey page, the ASI survey page is like Breaking Bad meets post-secret. So so there's that. Uh, surveys there on the website. You can, uh, it's through SurveyMonkey, so I believe you can also read what other people have, have written on their surveys as well. Everybody's anonymous. You come up with a clever nickname or handle. You don't just... Uh, so yeah, you're anonymous. Uh, some of the other nicknames that some other users have said, uh, Killa was the guy that filled out the last survey, still trying, me, question mark, Hill Tribe, uh, Ship Surveyor, Strikemon, uh, you get what I'm saying, right? Uh, you can come up with a nickname for yourself there on the uh, survey page. So, yes, the ASI survey page. What else is going on on the website? Uh, you can be a co-producer of this here podcast, and I will mention your name for donating on a monthly basis to the podcast uh, that helps keep the bills paid, keeps this thing rolling down the information superhighway there. It keeps all the episodes up, and I appreciate any of you who would like to step into that role as a co-producer on the ASI podcast. You don't have to use your whole your own name, all right? Again, I could use a clever nickname for you. If you donate to the show, if you want to support the show monthly, either way, I will uh, mention you on the podcast, much like Patreon, but it's not Patreon, all right? I'm not using Patreon. I'm using PayPal in a different creative way so that people's anonymity is protected. Um, Again, this is the podcast that no one wants to admit they listen to, and I'm cool with that. And I think that there is a safe space in the darkness for people Um, That's one of the things I love about this podcast is that people have listened in anonymity while their secret life, right, like I was. I didn't have a place to turn. That's one of those passions I have for doing this. When I was totally jacked up and addicted, I had no one to talk to about it, and I felt so isolated in it and alone. And this is a place where you can keep your anonymity, and I will hopefully... I can chat with you. I can help steer you in the right direction. I've been judgy in the past, and I'm not that guy anymore. All right. I just wanna. I wanna listen. I'm. I'm an ear to hear you. 
I'm not an Esther expert that's going to solve all your problems, all right? Again, 10 years of sexual sobriety doesn't necessarily mean I've got, I'm sane, right? I've got my issues, all right? My issues with trust, my issues with fear, some anxiety that I'm learning, I'm still growing, and I think you know that. But if you just want to reach out and send me an email or... um. Next season, I'm going to have an even more encrypted way uh, for you guys to interact with me. Um, it's, it's so encrypted. It's so secret that even the FBI is, is pissed, right? The NSA is like, no, you, that, what, what, right? They don't like this technology, but I will use it on this podcast because I believe that there is sacred space in the land of secrets and when you can finally open up and talk to someone it is so incredibly powerful anyway so yes that's the website there asi247.org today the question is how do you know if you're a sex addict and that could be a loaded question couldn't it um, it's not asking am I a sex addict Although we'll be addressing that as well, it is, how do you know you're a sex addict, <laughs> right? Um, first of all, let me start out front by saying I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a sex uh, expert, I haven't been to college, and this is not digital counseling, all right? The one thing I will say, my tenure is doing this podcast. So that doesn't make me an expert, but it does make me someone who I, I fielded a lot of emails. I've read a lot of material. I have talked to a lot of people. I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of hours on the subject of psychology, theology, and what makes us tick. That doesn't, again, I don't, I'm not complaining to be an expert. That doesn't make me Mr. Guy you should listen to. All right. This podcast is for entertainment and information purposes. And uh, I, I just want to throw that out there. All right. I am, uh, I'm not an expert. I'm an Uber Lyft driver. All right. I see a therapist myself, all right? As many people should, okay? Not that there's any shame in that. I'm just saying. Um, that's one thing about even the psychology industry, right? If you don't admit that the reason you're fascinated with the human mind is that there's something a little off in you, right? Like, that's why people get into psychology. It's one of my theories. And, and maybe not everybody. They have someone in the family. I have a friend, Russ. <laughs> everybody's got that friend right i'm listening to your podcast um not for me but i have a friend so that's uh that's what's going on anyway the listener event that will be interesting as this podcast is one of those podcasts that no one wants to admit they listen to <laughs> so we'll see how that how that goes right uh next friday the friday the 13th of may i'm doing a live 
podcast event kicking off season five of the podcast at a place called Serve Seattle on Capitol Hill. It is free, open to anybody that wants to come, but there will be uh, raffle tickets. We're going to sell raffle tickets. Uh, my friend and, and guest on the show in the past, Paul Young, has signed some material and we're going to raffle off uh, copies of The Shack, uh, some other stuff. And we're just going to, it's going to have fun. So we're going to try and raise money. The The money that we're raising is not for the ASI podcast, by the way. It is not for me, myself. It is not for Seth Taylor, who will be my honored guest, um, kicking off season five. The episode one being what's rock bottom. Um, the money will go to the Urban Missions program through the Union Gospel Mission of Seattle. So there's a lot of interns that stay at this facility at, at Serve Seattle, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. So mark your calendars if you choose to show up or not. Uh, I'd love to see you there. Shake your hand, meet you personally. Um, Friday the thirteenth of May at seven p.m. on Capitol Hill in Seattle. So throwing that out there once again. But yeah, if you think you're going to show up and meet some guru and shake the hands of somebody who's got it figured out, you will be sadly mistaken. All right. <laughs> Seth, neither myself or my friend Seth Taylor would claim to be uh, folks who are in the clear, right? I'm not in the clear, as uh, that song by the Foo Fighters would say. So getting to the topic today, a little short show. This will be the last show of season zero. So I figured if we're going to get to the meat, get to the nitty gritty, if we're going to focus in on to the bone, uh, the heart of what ASI is, the, the foundational levels. I just ran out of metaphors right there. Foundational levels, right? That's, that's the last metaphor I got. I just locked that away. Um, Anyway, you, you get season zero, right? If we're going to get into uh, that foundational stuff, we have to talk about why you're here. And I've, again, I'm basing this off of uh, numerous emails. And some of them have been like, how do I know you're just not some religious person who's making people feel guilty so that you can gain an audience for yourself? And, that's a good question. Although I think old me in the past, maybe five or six years ago or more found that offensive and got defensive about it. But there's a reason for that, right? Um, no, I, I'll say that to answer that question. I, my, this thing jacked with my life to a point that, uh, I sat in a doctor's office across from my wife while she was getting tested for STDs, uh, that was one of those rock bottom moments, man. That was one of the darkest moments of my life. I had started with pornography, uh, habitual use of pornography, wanting to stop, not being able to, and it progressed into seeing prostitutes and, and some really risky behavior. So that's... Uh, some of my story in a nutshell and no it wasn't oh well I'm just living this life of sexual freedom uh, 
it wasn't. And we could talk about that in season five, some of what that question entails, because there's people that would say they're, they're polyamorous, right? There's that word, people who are, you know, they, they feel they can fall in love with more than one person. Um, but I, I would call that affection, right? Anyway, so my Christian worldview as a believer in Christ, I am a Christian. I don't hide that from anyone doing this podcast. That doesn't mean I'm a religious person. I I actually despise some of that dogmatic religious jargon that shames people. And again, doing this podcast for 10 years, if it's taught me anything, it's taught me that the more you put God as this principle-like guy, angry, furrowed brow, um, wanting to punish you for your sins, the, the more that you, you put God up in that kind of form and, and say that he's that kind of a character, the more you have people hiding. And they believe in grace. A lot of Christians believe in grace. So in their own heart, like they'll justify it with grace, but they'll keep the secret and they'll talk about, like a lot of guys are doing sermons on porn use and pornography and why we should stop doing it because they're addicted themselves. Uh, a study a while back said that about 50% of pastors admitted to uh, struggling with pornography addiction, and they would say addiction, all right? That's a problem, right? That's one of them right there. You're admitting that something's amiss, but it's really hard to admit that when you're in a position of leadership, you have all this head knowledge, you have good communication skills, but you know that in your heart, everything you're talking about is not meshing with your behavior on the outside. So we'll get into that as well in season five. But to stick to the topic, how do I know I'm a sex addict? Here's some uh, good things to throw out there. Some good questions to ask yourself. Um, See, that question has been asked, I'd say about 50-50, if I'm going to put it in percentages, by people who are asking it for themselves and by people who are asking it for a spouse or a loved one. All right. So there's a big difference between those two. Now, the question is raised and has been in a hot debate for a while now, is sex and addiction? Is sex addictive? All right. Backspace. <laughs> anyway, you get what I'm saying. Is sex addictive? There's people that are saying that sex addiction isn't a thing, right? Like it's, no, it's something else. It's compulsion. So rather than, and that's always been my premise with this podcast is rather than getting into splitting hairs and, and busting out books on, you know, from the DSM or, or whatever, trying to narrow down in some kind of bookie, right out there kind of let's put it in a formula rather than trying to stick it on paper to say, this is, this is addiction. This is compulsion. Um, the thing is, is, is it messing with your life, right? Here's, here's one of the things that messes with a person's life, a bad habit. Okay. Have you ever had a bad habit? Most of us have a bad habit 
if you look in the Webster's Dictionary, the, the definition of addiction, it's in there. A bad habit, right? So the thing is, emotionally, case by case, person by person, the power of the situation, right? The power of the situation is strong. It's heavy. This is uh, where we come up with these terms from social psychology, like cognitive dissonance. See, when I say a word like sexual addiction, it stirs up dissonance in another person's mind to where they're trying to solve that for the question is for themselves or for other people, because there's a totally different approach in these in those two ways of thinking. There's some people uh, who I would call they're sort of freedom fighters in this way of trying to bust people out of dogmatic thinking in religious circles. And I get that. And I think their heart may be in the right place. But to say that just chasing whatever sexual desire you want is healthy, uh, I'm going to disagree, (laughs) right? Like, as a Christian, I don't believe this stuff because I'm afraid that God's going to toss me into some fiery hell if I don't, all right? getting that out front. I believe it because God wants good for me. And Jesus said, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He said that, you know, you want to love me. He says, if you love me, do the things I say, follow the commandments, right? The 10 commandments, for example, the, these rules in the Bible are not there because God is a cosmic killjoy trying to destroy our fun, but he actually wants good for us. Papa loves us, as, uh, as my friend Paul Young would say. Papa is fond of you, very fond of you. Father God loves you very much in theological terms. So the more that we beat ourselves up and the more that we fall into these dogmatic, shame-filled religious traps, the more we're falling into the rhetoric and the dialogue of the other guy, right? Not that the devil is a guy with a red suit and a pitchfork, but you know what I'm saying. The, The one thing that keeps addicts addicted is shame, it becomes a neurological cycle. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but that's one thing that you need to be sober about when you ask this question. Are you asking it for yourself or are you asking it for your spouse? We'll throw it. At, we'll throw that one out there. If it's for your spouse, you need to have that hard conversation with them. All right? Uh, because they have to answer it for themselves before you can answer it for yourself. Now, I've had emails from women who are afraid of their own safety because their man may be uh, being with prostitutes or, or engaged in risky behavior. This is something you need to talk with him about. If, you, if you've caught him, um, it, it, there's just so much that I could say about this. But the big question is, is you need to have a hard conversation about this as soon as possible, all right, for your own safety, for the safety of your family, for the love that you have for him. Because if he's struggling like I was, he's in a very dark place. He's hurting and he needs some help. So again, it it needs to be done right away. Um, there's an old saying that Zig Ziglar, uh, sales guy, speaker, used to say, 
if you're going to eat a bullfrog, the best thing is to do it right away, right? Just one big bite, all right? Don't cut it up in pieces. Don't, right? It's like ripping off a Band-Aid. You need to have this hard conversation like that because the pain you're putting yourself through as this stews around in your mind and it stirs up feelings of guilt and feelings of distrust. And, and that is, is sabotaging your relationship now. Whether something's going on or not, it's, 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 it's imperative you have this conversation. I would call it a courageous act of intimacy. All right. Dr. Block was a guest that I had on the podcast his definition of intimacy was this, that stuff that's rolling around in your mind that's driving you crazy and that you stew over and you get upset over and it's causing all these crazy feelings in your in your heart and in your mind, that stuff, you share it with your mate. That's intimacy. <laughs> Love that. So again, right away. So to answer that question, is sex addictive I would say yes in the terms that we define addiction. If an addict wants his fix, he can't necessarily stop by his own will. That's addiction. Um, The progressive nature of pornography addiction, for example, can lead to very risky sexual behavior. Now, that was my case. Is that everyone's case? Is everyone who's a porn addict going to go see a prostitute? Not necessarily, but given the opportunity, me as a guy who was in the pizza business, all right, I may had more opportunities than the average man uh, for temptation to be triggered in that way and to follow that trigger down a path, but for me, yeah, yes, sex is addictive and lots of different people can be addicted. Uh, doing the podcast over the years, I've noticed that, you know, I was surprised sort of, except for what reading newspapers, right? You see celebrities that are busted for sexual addiction. Um, but when it comes to like a CEO of a company or a lawyer or a doctor, or some of these guys who are professionals, those guys, it, it was surprising to me to, to receive emails from someone that I would look up to as, right, I should be taking advice from you, dude. Like, you seem to have it together. Like, you went to college, and you got a degree, and you live in a big house, and your your family looks pretty normal. And uh, I'm like, wow. So all different walks of life can struggle with sexual addiction, not just men, all right? And I, I know that there's guys listening or ladies listening that think that, this is a guy's thing, and it's not. A large percentage of women and females are listening to my voice right now, all right? I know this, and I've received emails from them as well. The statistics are very high, especially when you get to the 25 and under. Uh, women struggle with sexual addiction very much. Some of you guys, you know, you, you have men need to have a conversation about porn with their teenage sons and women need to have a conversation, a grace filled conversation with their teenage daughters because it is 50 50 man with teenagers nowadays to have this conversation, sexual addiction among girls and young women is 
it just is bad as it is with men as some of the surveys and statistics from like 2014 2015 are concerned it's a new age of high-speed internet and it is very addictive habit forming how's that (laughs) to appease oh it's not an addiction folks whatever all right Some of you, most of you, I believe, listening are not listening because of a loved one. You're listening because you're an addict or you're questioning, am I an addict? So I'll address that person behind their eyes who asks that question. Um, If you're one of the folks who thinks that, oh, well, I look at some porn maybe every day I'm not a religious person. Like, I don't believe that there's a God up there telling me what I should not to do or that God even cares what I do with my genitals. It's just something I do. Am I an addict? Like, I think the behavior is okay for other people to do, but for me, is it healthy? Um, we'll talk about that. But for the rest of you listening, uh, if you're listening to this show, um, I'm not a guy who's right going to tell you that it's okay. <laughs> right? I mean that's part of again, it's part of my worldview is maybe my evangelical side, right? Like again, I don't believe that God is a cosmic killjoy trying to destroy all your fun. My higher power being in Christ and, and realizing what that means is a it's a deep spiritual reality for me it centers me it gives me power beyond my own i don't i didn't i didn't have enough willpower on my own to kick this thing and i tried for years so my spiritual life understanding where i draw that power from is very important because it doesn't come from me and it doesn't come from religion all right, and I know that that's going to be a controversial thing for a lot of you. That the facts are, in treating this and overcoming some of this, you're going to have to. You're going to have to lose some of your religion. All right, some of that dogmatic, shame-filling stuff, some of that trying to prove yourself to God, is toxic. All right, penance. Um, Hail Marys, I don't know what it is for you that you think you can throw enough money into a collection plate to appease or atone for for this this God that you've created for yourself. That God needs to go. Morality and just teaching from morality basis is an idol. It's a golden calf that we beat people with. And it's not healthy, and it's stirring up all sorts of mental illness in people because they think that God hates them, and that's not the God of the Bible. I, I worship a God who's full of grace and has me conscious of that grace, that my wants would bend to his will, and that's good news, because when my wants bend to his will, my life is a lot less of a disaster. That's what I've learned over the years. So that would be the big question number one. Is it impacting your life personally in a negative way? That's one thing I've also learned about being in groups and getting into counseling and therapy is social norms are powerful. Like the way we grew up, 
socially like we think it's normal I, I thought that a lot of really horrible stuff that happened to me as a kid and as a young man were normal and they weren't they were broken they were uh, damaging they were abusive and I was raped when I was nine years old, and I chalked it up to that's just kids playing around, right? That's just kids investigating their sexuality. Let's pin the weak one down and wrap him in a sleeping bag and, and pull his pants off, right? This is, this is not normal. I cried a lot of tears over that, realizing that my life wasn't normal, right? And that God wasn't punishing me for what happened. Um, th- that was a big one. All right. So, yes, my story is a bit extreme. But when we bring that up to your story, I mean, I had to sit there and go, okay, is, is masturbating to pornography every day uh, normal? No. First of all, no, it's not. Um is it the fact that it's progressive? That's another question. That'd be question number two. The fact that it's progressive, like the same kind of coupling of two naked, good-looking people coming together, it doesn't get you off anymore. Going into threesomes, and then it's midgets and alligators, right? Eventually, it ends up in a in a dark, progressive place and that's part of my story is a compulsive sexual porn habit going to lead to someone seeing a prostitute um in my case it did so there's something to this the fact that it's progressing is a sign that you're a sex addict absolutely um let's talk outside of the area of pornography for a moment there's a lot of folks successful folks that I've found who grew up with this concept of Madonna and the whore. All right, let me explain some of that. It it sort of comes from like The Godfather, some of these movies about gangsters. Um, These guys would be successful gangsters, right? Mobsters, and they would have their Madonna, which was their wife, the the mother of their children, and she would be high and exalted, right? Like like Madonna in Catholicism. And then they would have the whore, who's the woman they really want to have a relationship with, right? That does all the things for them or whatever that relationship entails. And they think that that's um, normal. Uh, It's not. And and just think about the destruction in that. Think about the distrust. Think about the lack of intimacy. You know, intimacy is real. Like, you really can have that. You can be with your spouse and tell them the things that you're scared of and and the things that you fear and plans for the future and stuff like that. Um, You can be honest with them about your feelings and your heart. That's real. So, but if you have this attitude of I need this person over here to satisfy this part of me, you're not really intimate with anyone. And it's a very lonely place to live. A double life. It is the breeding of a double life. And for some people, it's normative and, and it's it's not healthy. It causes rampant divorce and uh, fatigue, anxiety, depression, you name it, man. STDs. I throw a bunch of those in there. So if you have a Madonna and the whore kind of way of thinking, chances are you're a sex addict. That's a big one because you, you don't have a good beat on 
on what it means to be intimate and close with a person. Uh, networking for anonymous sex. If you're on Craigslist or if you're Tinder hooking up on a compulsive basis, uh, I've, I've talked to folks who were like, I, I, I'm on Tinder and I'm hooking up with people and I, I tell myself I'm not going to do it again and I, and I do it again. And I'm like, what is up with that? That's addiction, all right? Again, that's the bad habit. That is a sexual addiction. And it's it's... It's empty, again, of intimacy and real heart-level relationship. I think that the broken heart, when someone's heart gets broken through a breakup or or some something that happens like that, a trauma, like that's one thing I've been writing about and thinking about and, and putting into some of my work in the book is that relational trauma is something that we overlook or kind of poo-poo. It's not something real impactful in our lives, and I'm saying it is. You know, they they call a trauma like having a car accident, losing a loved one. The, these things are traumatic, but so is a breakup. I mean, people kill themselves over breakups. Is that not trauma? Yes, it's trauma. So learning to deal with trauma, learning to talk out a, a horrible breakup or something terrible that happens like that in a relationship is is really important. Because in, in some of these folks, uh, they're breaking their habits with hooking up, compulsive hooking up, by simply talking out their last breakup. It's amazing. But that, again, so uh, to clarify, uh, networking for sex, if you're, if you're hooking up with people on the Internet or if you're going to, in Seattle, there was an epidemic for a while. It still kind of is, but... The cops are pretty aware of it. Anonymous sex, man to man, in the men's restrooms. And it wasn't just gay men. It was straight men as well, having sex with other men. Well, no, that guy's gay. And no, he's a compulsive sex addict, all right? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you're gay. It could mean you're a sex addict. Not, not everyone who has sex with same someone of the same sex is necessarily gay. If that's how you define being gay, uh, you should read some more on it, okay? Because that's just, that is a, a symptom of sexual addiction. LGBTQ is something I've been studying. That Q at the end is very important. Having a place to bring the Q out into the light and talk about your sexuality and your relationships and your compulsions is so incredibly healthy and important, all right? Um, love addiction is one I have written down here, or relationship addiction. A lot more females have this one, but I've seen guys have it as well. They rush into a relationship really fast. They feel this love connection, this affection that rises up, and they jump into bed with someone right away. And they really feel like this weird spiritual kind of connection that they are totally in love and head over heels and infatuated with this other person. And the other person is going like, no, this is just a hookup. What are you doing? And they, they get crushed right? Going back to that. So there's a, a an element of sexual addiction that can result in love addiction. And that's something that a, a good, well-trained 
thoughtful therapist can help you with if that's something that you've been through. Or some of you have a friend who you see them go through just horrible person after horrible person. I've known women like this that are like, why do I seem to fall for the bad guy? There's rock and roll songs about it. There's a song by Bowling for Soup, the the girl all the bad guys love, right? I mean, there's something to that, that sexual addiction that ties itself to relationship in a way that, well, this must be love um, because I feel it. And and love is deeper than just that element of affection that we feel getting stirred when our when our our genitals are stirred, or when we see a really good-looking person. You notice that really good-looking people seem to find it easier to fall in love. It's because it's affection. Affection is something else, isn't it? Affection in the addiction realm can lead to infatuation or stalking. That's what men could do when it comes to an infatuation. It is not love. It is a twisted sense of affection towards the outer shell of a person, right? It's not even wanting to know their heart. Well, maybe it is, but it's not feeling complete if you can't be with X person, right? That's infatuation that's a, a form of of sexual addiction i would say if you're masturbating thinking about this person constantly um there there's there's help that you can get for that the biggest thing is is to realize that when you need help to go get help um if you're addicted there's places you can turn. Again, ASI247.org. There are phone numbers you can call. There is places you can turn to. Um, you can email me, Russ at ASI247.org. If you're struggling in any of these ways, um, get some help. See some freedom. Man, it will change your life for the better. And I hope this helps today. Um, hope I don't sound too judgy. But if I do sound that way, I'm okay with that, all right? Because I I do love you and I want good for you. And that's why I'll tell you to, man, don't wait until you're as old as I am. I'll be 48 in June. And just I, I pray that you get help soon rather than later and that you don't leave years worth of just floating around like the flying Dutchman in a haunted harbor that is your life, that you set a course and that you grab the the steering wheel of that ship and, and start to draw some power from the winds that are your creator and the lover of your soul, from a savior that is bigger than you are, I love that that scene in Forrest Gump where Captain Dan is up there just in the storm, just shouting and screaming at God. And uh, some of you got to make peace with your creator, man. Maybe not like that, but it's a beautiful picture of someone who in a very different sort of way, in a way much like I did, um, came to terms with the fact that there is a power out there greater than you are. And there is a work and a purpose for your life that is bigger than you and a larger ripple effect than 
you trying to muster up enough egocentric um, pride and accomplishment on your own. All right. I love you guys, and I, I do mean that sincerely. Till next time, bye.